Welcome to the CMS Real Deal podcast, where we take a step back from the legal nitty-gritty and provide insight into issues affecting the property industry. I am Danny Drummond-Brassington. Today, I'm joined by Anthony Garn, Executive Chairman of International Property Securities Exchange, and Cathy Pitt, partner in our corporate team. Welcome, guys. Thank you. Thanks very much, Danny. Um, Anthony and Cathy, you've joined me today to talk about International Property Securities Exchange, or IPSX, as everybody knows it, which is the first ever stock exchange dedicated to trading shares in single commercial properties. So after many years of hard graft, IPSX was formally recognised as a recognised investment exchange at the beginning of January, which is no mean feat. There are only seven of them, and one of them is the Stock Exchange, the London Stock Exchange. So this is really quite an exciting achievement and advance for those of us who operate in the real estate world. Anthony, can I t- start with you a little bit about your vision and what's driven you to, to launch IPSX? Thanks, Danny. I'd like to think there's a romantic moment where this all came to me and I could give you a very nice story about that. But the truth is, unfortunately, a little bit more mundane, uh, which is I happen to be a banker by background and I did a lot of fintech deals involving exchanges in particular. And um, the securitization of real estate as an idea is something that has lived for decades and decades. Um, And happily, we came to the conclusion, which I think is absolutely the right one, that to really securitize real estate, you have to have a real estate exchange, which is a dedicated market for the asset class. That's um, amazing. And so do you see this increasing liquidity in the real estate market? Is there a a reason it's driven you to do this? Is it simplifying transactions? It's all of the above. And we have, um, on the front page of many of our presentations, we have a, a strap line which says, Reimagining Real Estate Investment Management. And indeed, I encourage everyone to think again about real estate investment management and how that actually works. Because actually, we have a, a market where um, the asset class is deemed an alternative asset class. And in our view, that's because there is no real depth of public market that supports that. So. Many, many benefits accrue from IPSX, both to the um, owner world as potential issuers Mm -hmm. and also to the investor world as you look at the different categories of investor who at this point don't have access to this asset class, but through IPSX they will. Oh, brilliant. So does that mean, you know, um, individuals could go and buy um, shares in a property? Yep. You, me, Danny, we we could all um, potentially acquire shares in issuers on IPSX. It's been set up as a regulated market, which means retail investors can access it. And actually something Anthony said recently, which um, struck a chord with me, is that at the higher end of some of these commercial real estate assets, the values have got so high that actually there are very few buyers for them. And what's really exciting about it is it it opens it up for more people via uh, an IPO on, on the exchange to you know to, to be potential buyers and to create some price competition um but yes it's quite exciting the thought we could potentially buy shares in the shard or yeah yeah something like that so what kind of assets um do you see there being traded what what do you mean by a single commercial property i mean in in terms of the type i guess anthony can talk about that i mean single commercial property we talked about for a long time when we were writing the rules it doesn't have to be a single building, uh, although it can be a single building, but it could also be something like a retail park, industrial park, uh, a shopping centre, 
so sort of groups of contiguous co-located buildings is very much the concept. Um, but as to the asset class, Anthony, I know you've been having talks with lots of sort of potential issues from all sorts of sectors. Yeah, and I mean, just sticking with what Cathy says about um, what we call multiple asset issuers, which is more than a single building, it's really about the ability for the investor to understand exactly what they are investing in, and that drives market price formation, which is correct in the market, as opposed to the whole fund concept, where actually what you're doing is you're delegating authority to a fund manager to select those assets, and in a way you are at one remove from that. Um, what's also interesting, actually, about the pipeline as it comes through post-recognition is that the size of the buildings that we're talking mm. about is dramatically higher than we actually would have originate, originally thought in the, in the business plan that we created some years back. So these are buildings which are worth hundreds of millions of pounds and in some cases billions of pounds. Mm -hmm. And to Cathy's very appropriate point about the availability of investors to buy some of these big assets, the truth of the matter is that some of these assets genuinely are so big yeah. that no single investor really has the capacity to do that. And in many cases, where there are um, groups of owners there, those owners are looking for an exit, and even the exit on their shares is so big that actually um, they would like to see a much broader market that they can offer this I mean, to. You definitely can see that in London with some of the skyscrapers and the prices that they've been attracting last year. Um, again, as you go back to your point, how many? there are not that many people out there that can pull together the capital to, to spend over a billion pound on a single asset. So what you're saying is IPSX gives an alternative here for people to easily trade in and trade out of, of, of a share in, whether it's this the walkie-talkie or any other property that wants to go into it. For sure, and, and they definitively want to get that access. And I, and I think in a way this is almost like the whole debate about ownership. Mm. So you know, do you own your car or do you actually own some of the things that you use? And it's just a change in the model. So real estate isn't something that you necessarily have to own. And you see this particularly in the choices that are being made, for example, in the housing association world, where should they own or should they just manage this? And of course, the truth is that if you can recycle that capital, then you can drive more home building. And it's, so it's a skill set, but it's also about offering a yielding instrument that just is just not there at the moment for the wider investor world. So how will an asset need to be structured? Is there going to be anything different about the structuring of, of a real estate asset to allow it to be traded on IPSX? I mean, the principles are, you know, the same as for as for any um, asset class that you're structuring. It needs realistically to be a corporate vehicle, um, just because of settlement and, and things like that. And obviously, everyone wants it to be a tax-efficient vehicle. So the obvious vehicle when you're talking about real estate is the REIT. And yep. we would expect most commonly vehicles to be REITs. But it doesn't have to be. So if for some reason that didn't work for a particular issue, you know, there are other options, um, just a, a standard UK company or indeed an offshore company. So it's all about, there's no hard and fast rules, it's about really what works, works best for the issuer and its proposed investors. But I think there's an interesting point Cathy raises there about REITs. So uh, we would argue that there are REITs and there are REITs. So on the London Stock Exchange, some of our shareholders are already REITs and they mm -hmm. trade on the London Stock Exchange. But they're a different type of REITs, so they are companies that have a fully uh, vertically integrated model which takes from you know, potentially buying land, developing that land, 
um, putting a building up and fully leasing that building. What we're talking about here is a stabilized asset only. So it's about the yield, it's very predictable. And if it is a REIT, it typically therefore means that you know what the distribution of the cash will be because the REIT rules define the distribution of the cash. So unlike a conventional company where actually you just have to look at what's the dividend policy, but you have no assurances on that, here you have a position where actually there is a forced distribution of the cash that comes from that asset. And what you're investing in is this share, um, Mifid share, as Cathy says, which is the, the shares, which are the shares of the company that owns that asset. So there's full transparency on the distribution of the cash. Great. And for people who are looking to, to buy or sell property and they're thinking about, okay, this is an alternative, um, what are they going to have to do differently? to what people would ordinarily understand as a, a real estate transaction to sort of release value through IPSX? Uh, the, the chief difference is, is uh, about um, making sure you've got a, a vehicle that your single commercial um, real estate asset can sit in, which it may already do, but uh, and then a prospectus will have to be prepared um, describing the vehicle and, and the risks and uh, providing all sorts of other information about the business, which ought to be reasonably straightforward when you think about the sorts of businesses that are going to be floating mm-hmm. on IPSX. And I suspect there'll eventually be a reasonable degree of commonality for large parts of the prospectus. So that's um, hopefully sort of not too taxing an exercise. That's, that's I, I think, is probably the principal difference between an IPSX um, launch and an M&A process. I mean, where it really scores, and where sadly IPSX have not really taken into account the lawyers, is if you then, having um, maybe sold down 50% of your interest, you want to sell down another 10%, you can do that with just trading shares on an exchange, and that's a much quicker uh, and much more cost-effective process than obviously doing an M&A process for a part of a, a, a part of a real estate asset. Okay, and so how long is that going to take? Because you know, people look at there's a, a general feel in the market about how long it'll take to dispose of an asset, depending on its size, value, and complexity. I guess people are not going to have a similar gut feeling about how long it's going to take to put something on on the exchange. I I actually think it's quite the reverse, actually, okay. Danny. So. Um, at, at the moment, a private market transaction obviously depends on the nature of the asset, but on average in the UK is taking around 190 days, so that's just over six months. Um, the timeline for completing an IPO on IPSX, we think, will be somewhere between eight and 12 weeks, so that's sort of yeah. half the time, the time on yeah. doing that. And again, it's, it's, it's a different process, and the one thing that I'd encourage any listeners to think about is actually the IPO process is somewhat maligned in terms of its complexity. It is not particularly complex. Yeah. And again, with the right advice, actually it becomes very streamlined. And it becomes even more streamlined if you're dealing with a very simple underlying asset. So this is really a situation where a prospectus is not going to be over-engineered simply because actually the asset is very straightforward to explain and the investors get the equity story very easily. So what about ongoing reporting requirements? Say um, you've got a big, let's talk about the walkie-talkie. Let's just take the walkie-talkie by way of example. And one of the anchor tenants decides it's going to move out of there. Are there then going to be reporting requirements to update? 
investors, people, the exchange, because that could have a fundamental valuation impact? Um, well, there, I suppose there are two heads there. There are um, ongoing obligations. I mean, one of the great advantages IPSX offers to the market um, is transparency and transparency about what is going on in the real estate world. There have to be biannual valuations, and so obviously tenant uh, changes would be reflected in the valuations. As to sort of individual events, it very much depends that the market abuse rules will apply, so material changes will have to be disclosed, but obviously that's very much case by case. Um, yeah, but that transparency is um, certainly something I know, Anthony, you were very focused on when we first started talking. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's particularly important in the real estate world because actually this is this is a world where there hasn't been much transparency historically because of the private nature of the market. Yeah. Um, and it is something where uh, what we have found is both owners and investors really do want that transparency, and they also want the data that comes off those. Um, you know the, the prospectus which is obviously validated data and it's refreshed on a periodic basis and that's really really important from an investment perspective because it gives you information which helps you uh, decide whether or not this is good or bad for you um, but it is also interesting because it drives information on the real estate world generally so I, I, I sort of think that this is a good thing for the real estate world irrespective of whether or not you are an issuer because there's more data in the market yeah. for you. And more data is a good thing. It helps people understand it, doesn't it? So what do you see see the future looking like? Where do you see this uh, IPSX in the first 12 months, five years, 10 years? Talk me your, again back to your vision and where you see this going. So we have, um, we have very big ambitions for the company. Um, this is an international proposition, so clearly this applies wherever you are in the world. Um, but there is a, a clear logic for having individual exchanges in key financial centres, uh, and that is part of the plan. So um, although London happens to be the hometown, if you want, for many of us, the truth is that it is also a very, very um, elegant and um, sophisticated both financial and real estate market, so it's a great place to start. Uh, and it is a big market, but Germany is a big market. Mm-hmm. The US is obviously an enormous market, and Asia offers countless opportunities. So the plan is to evolve um, both the product offer, because we're starting off with a pretty straightforward cash equities offer, um, and then to also extend into new geographies and to build out a data business. And as, as part of the data story, we will be creating indices so that people can follow those indices and again use that as a benchmark for investment. Great. So when do you think the first float will take place? The easy, safe answer for me to to say on that is uh, we are progressing discussions with issuers as we speak, which is now going into uh, appropriate detail for them to make decisions. But because the process is an 8 to 12 week process, the likelihood is that the very earliest date that something will actually go live as an IPO will be the end of the second quarter of this year. Um, clearly there are a few things going on in the rest of the world which we have to sort of keep an eye on but I think that hopefully um, at least the progress of IPSX is not delayed in any way by wider events Um, and what's interesting of course is that where there is a market correction of some sort and if we have one coming then um, you know that's a possibility where those market corrections happen coded companies typically have an advantage because in stress situations you are able to 
move in line with the speed of the market um, and you don't actually have to sell everything whereas in the private market of course it's very difficult to keep up and, and that obviously drives you to some of the corrections that we've seen in the past and the issues that the open-ended funds have had to deal with in terms of the mismatch between uh, real estate liquidity and, um, and what's happening in the wider market. So watch this space then? We will definitely be watching this space and um, we are delighted to have had CMS helping us on the journey um, and Cathy's uh, planet-sized brain helping us uh, with that and the rest of the team. So thank you very much to CMS. Not, not at all. It's, it's, no, thank you. Uh, you can't see me um, handing um, Anthony a large uh, watch of cash for his kind plug. <laughs> Oh, well, thank you so much for joining us. I think everybody Great will find pleasure. it fascinating. And you, know, there has been lots of publicity about it in the in the marketplace since the launch. Um, so great that you could join us today. And thank you. And we all look forward to uh, hearing the news about the first float. Very good. Thank you so much. Thanks.